Welcome to episode 14 of Four Vaginas Only. In this episode, we're going to have a discussion on endometriosis. Hello and welcome to Four Vaginas Only, the podcast about everything female. I'm your host, Dr. Celestine, bringing you important information about understanding your health and body in the way you wish your doctor would actually explain it. Hi guys, I'm Dr. Celestine here, your usual host of Four Vaginas Only. Um, in today's episode, I thought we would talk about a complicated topic and a kind of topic that has a lot of information, which is endometriosis. So stay tuned and listen to this episode. I'm thinking I'm probably going to break this up into two episodes because there's just so much to say about it, but let's get started. All right, so I want to start off by talking a little bit about what endometriosis is. It's kind of been a hot topic recently, mainly because many celebrities are coming out now stating that they have endometriosis and the difficulties they're having in their lives because of endometriosis, such as Monica Halsey, Tia Mowry talks about it a little bit, um, and also Lena Dunham. I think she's probably the most recent and most prominent one, and she talked about her course through you know, not knowing what she had, finally being diagnosed with it, all the different treatments, and last but not least, the hysterectomy that she recently had because of endometriosis. So not everybody that has endometriosis gets to the point of hysterectomy, um, but we will talk a little bit about that later. So let's start about talking about how endometriosis affects the population. So it's been estimated that endometriosis affects one in every 10 women, and there's roughly about 167 million women in the United States. Um, so if it's one in 10 in the United States, then that's about 16 million females that are affected with endometriosis. So it's a pretty big deal. So why are we now only hearing about it, right? So a little bit more on what endometriosis is. Basically, like we've talked about in previous episodes, The uterus, which is low in the abdomen, in the area called the pelvis, inside of the uterus has the endometrium, which is the lining of the uterus. It's the same lining that sheds every month when you have your period. That bloody uh, mess is the endometrium and part of the endometrial lining. When it comes to endometriosis, this inner part, this inner lining of the uterus is actually dispersed within the abdomen, so in your belly, as opposed to coming out or staying contained in the uterus. Now, I'm not saying it's like a period inside your belly, like your belly's filled with blood or anything. Just little, sometimes little specks of the lining are scattered throughout your abdomen. Um, Larger specks can also be there, and it can cause additional problems too, such as blood-filled cysts on the ovaries. Now, you know, how the hell does this happen? Because it really doesn't make sense that if you're having your period every month that, and it comes out one way, that the endometrial lining should actually go up into your abdomen the other way. But in fact, it does. I would say the most common explanation for endometriosis is something called retrograde menstruation. Have you ever heard of um, people talking about Mercury being in retrograde and blaming a lot of their, you know, emotional problems and stuff on that. 
it basically means that the planet is rotating backwards. So similar with just the basic definition of what retrograde is, is going in the opposite direction. So as opposed to the uterine lining always coming out vaginally, informing your period every month, a little bit of it goes in retrograde and goes through the fallopian tubes and lands in your abdomen. So this means that the lining of the uterus can be found anywhere, really, in the abdomen. It has been seen on the bladder, on the fallopian tubes, on the ovaries, on your intestines, and on your rectum. There are a couple other philosophies for how endometriosis spreads, um, the two of them being through your bloodstream or through your lymph stream as well. But the most common theory is this retrograde menstruation, which makes sense for most of the cases of endometriosis. Although I have heard of people finding endometriosis in the lung and in the brain, which um, leads to, you know, maybe the blood route and the lymph route aren't as far-fetched as some people may think. But I would say that most, like most people, I do agree that the majority of endometriosis is because of this retrograde menstruation. So when you have these areas of the uterus, the lining of the uterus rather, inside the abdomen, they respond similarly to the estrogen in our bodies, just like the uterus responds. So that causes things such as the areas that are in the abdomen to grow a little bit, to cause bleeding, um, which can lead to scarring and can lead to pain inside the abdomen. Approximately 30 to 50% of people that have endometriosis do ex- also experience some infertility due to scarring that may happen on the fallopian tubes or the ovaries, and also just a generalized inflammation that occurs because you have this parts of your lining inside your belly tends to affect the way that the sperm and the egg um, function, which can also lead to infertility. Some other symptoms aside from infertility are having cyclic pelvic pain, which means that every month when you have your period, um, when the body is responding on because of your change in hormones, your endometriosis kind of flares up as well. And you have a little bit more pelvic pain every month than the average person. Although some people with endometriosis do just have a baseline pelvic pain, it's noted that with endometriosis, this pelvic pain either presents or increases each month as your cycle um, comes around each month as well. Also, pain with sex. That's a biggie. And not just because of vaginal dryness or because of not being interested in your sexual partner, but you know, you have all of the combinations. You're You don't have any dryness, you know, you're very excited about the intercourse, you know, you don't have any issues with having sex with this person, but still, it's just very painful. I've seen it also be mostly painful with deeper penetration when it comes to endometriosis. Some also have pain with bowel movements or pain with peeing when it comes to endometriosis, because like I said, the implants of the uterine lining can be around or near your bowel or your bladder, which can affect these two areas as well. Some can also have very heavy menstrual bleeding. You can also have issues with diarrhea and constipation, which are especially notable around the time of your period. Also, you can have something called sacral backache with your period. So that's basically your lower back has very severe pain 
um, with every time that you have your period. I know people that are pretty much out of commission because of this back pain. Um, not only do they have the back pain, but they have the severe cramping, you know, very just classic for endometriosis. Also, sometimes your doctor can find a mass on your ovaries, whether on ultrasound or on exam, because like I alluded to earlier, that blood that goes in a retrograde fashion into your abdomen can cause cysts on your ovaries called endometriomas, basically blood-filled cysts on the ovaries. So that's also very classic for um, endometriosis as well. And I'm not saying that you have to have all of these symptoms or, you know, a certain amount of these symptoms, but just when you talk about these things, or better yet, a lot of times people don't talk about these things. They just think it's part of their regular period. And, you know, you're missing work, you're missing school, you're missing activities that you actually want to participate in, and you're feeling miserable. And you just think, oh, this is what women are supposed to go through because they have their period. They've been, you know, damned with this period curse. But really, such severe pain um, and missing out on parts of your life because of it is not normal. <laughs> and it should be something that is discussed with, with your doctor. So when you go to the office and we ask you, how are your periods? You know, how is your sexual activity? Don't be shy about answering with the truth because sometimes we can go down the path of diagnosing you with endometriosis. Sometimes I must say it can be other things, but endometriosis is one of them and we can figure it out together. You don't have to suffer through something unnecessarily. All right. So you're thinking now, hmm, I have some of these symptoms and this sounds like something a little bit more than just a regular period, according to what Dr. Celestine's telling me. But I want to know a little bit more about what are some of the causes as to why I could be having this. Well, let's talk about it. These are things called risk factors. So there are some things that make you a little bit more prone to having endometriosis. One is early age of onset of your period. So normally um, in those women that have had a period that started less than 11 years of age, that's considered an early onset of your period, and that puts you at risk of having endometriosis. Also, if you have short menstrual cycles, less than 27 days of your menstrual cycle puts you at an increased risk of having endometriosis. And like I mentioned before, heavy or long periods um, can also be synonymous with endometriosis and can be a risk factor as well. In addition, there is a little bit of a genetic component, especially if it's in your first degree relative, like your mother or your sister, and you are seven to 10 times more likely to have endometriosis if they have it as well. Now, there are some things that can decrease your risk of getting endometriosis, which we always like to hear, we always like to talk about, especially because one of them in particular is something that you can control yourself. And I personally love when you can take control of your own health care. So one of the things that decreases your risk of endometriosis and can actually decrease the severity of the symptoms as well is exercise. So it's been quoted that at least four hours of exercise a week can benefit your symptoms of endometriosis as well as decrease your risk of having endometriosis. And also another thing, which is interesting, is having more kids. So the more children that you have, the lower chance um, you have of having endometriosis. 
If you basically think of it like this, if you start bleeding with your periods early and you bleed very heavy and you have very frequent cycles and you're not really someone that has ever had a kid or, you know, ever had any pause in their menstrual cycle to decrease the amount of times that you have bleeding over a few years, then that all of that increases the amount of bleeding that you have, which increases the likelihood that that endometrial lining can go into this retrograde menstruation and put little implants in your abdomen of endometriosis. So does that kind of make sense? All right. So I think that looking at this episode, it's getting a little bit long, and I do want to talk about a little bit more about the symptoms, how it's diagnosed, and especially the treatments of endometriosis and how it kind of goes in phases, um, you know, least invasive or more conservative treatments all the way up to surgical options and the reasons why you might do one versus the other and whatnot. But I would want to say one thing, especially about the uh, Lena Dunham case, is the fact that she talks about how, you know, she was having these symptoms around the age of 25 and she didn't really get fully diagnosed until many, many years later. Um, this just puts emphasis on what I was saying earlier. Don't hide these things about your period from your doctor because we need to know these things in order to really help you. And suffering with your period, although yes, having your period sucks, it's not something that you should have to be suffering through like that every single month. So go to your doctor, talk about it. And see, you know, what they can do to help so that you don't fall into the group of one of these people that, according to the National Institutes of Health, takes three to 11 years from symptom onset in order to come to a final diagnosis. Let's talk about it early. All right. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Four Vaginas Only. I do truly appreciate every single one of you. Continue following me on Instagram at Four Vaginas Only, as well as join our Facebook group at Four Vaginas Only, where you will get the most up-to-date notices on when I post a new podcast, but not more up-to-date than subscribing to the Four Vaginas Only podcast um, on iTunes, because as soon as I post it, you will get that notification probably a little bit earlier than the Facebook or Instagram groups. But if you want to learn a little bit more about my life, about the day-to-day experiences of being an OBGYN, um, and just about the crazy random things that I do daily, then please follow me on social media and let's link up there. All right. Have a great day, guys.